The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Very happy to be with you this week, and I do mean that. Uh, Winning Ponies is being broadcast from the studios in Dayton, Ohio. And just five miles from here, the other night, uh, devastating tornadoes. They went back and counted. Uh, They were so wide, and they stretched out for, oh, several miles. Um, Thirteen tornadoes. And it missed the studio here by five miles. We're still boiling water, but we've got power uh, that I can't say for even today, 19,000 people in the area. So uh, blessed to be here, blessed to be with you, and uh, very happy to have uh, two people I've known for a long, long time as my guests tonight. Uh, The first, I haven't had them on in years. Jason Beam. Now, uh, I recommended Jason for his job as uh, the voice of River Downs many, many years ago. He got the job and just went to better and better places. Uh, He's called races at Portland Meadows, Louisiana Downs, uh, Hastings, Emerald Downs, even the Tucson (laughs) Greyhound Park. And uh, he had a fun life uh, as far as his involvement racing, been doing it since his kid. Well, recently, if you were listening to this week at Monmouth Park, he absolutely knocked it out of the park uh, while he's calling there till uh, Frank Miramati comes back. And then it was announced earlier this week uh, that he's being picked up by Colonial Downs uh, to be their announcer. Uh, so uh, we're going to be talking to Jason. Uh, he's also uh, an author and uh, I believe Southbound and Down, something like that is the name of his horse, uh, name of his book. And uh, so uh, Jason will be our first guest and then a gentleman that knows him and uh, who was the former host of this show. Uh, you hear him often because he's always willing to come on with me and we share a lot of uh, similarities in the races we like to handicap and the people we know in racing. You know who he is. He's the man I admire. Admire. Excuse me, got a little frog in my throat tonight. Well, Ed Meyer and I, over Veterans Memorial Day weekend, got some very, very sad news. Um, And that's that uh, a young friend of ours, a jockey with just a load of upside to him. Uh, His his name was Euclid Petey Prentice Jr. Um, He hailed from the Virgin Islands, the island of St. Croix. And uh, he was in a car accident, uh, never became conscious again. And, uh, boy, that jock's room was just like uh, you could hear uh, uh, the, the boots echo as the jockeys went out uh, for, for the races. It was uh, a very, very uh, uh, sobering uh, incident and uh, one that nobody's going to get over with right away. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Ed's going to say the same thing I, I'm going to say right now. He, I remember covering his apprentice year. Uh, when I was still at then Belterra Park as the publicist. And uh, so I did a story on him. He was up and coming. And, uh, you know, he had uh, 
certain uh, people like uh, Julio Felix that were his mentors. He also was from the island of St. Croix. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a tight-knit group that that, that all uh, helped each other. And, uh, again, excuse my throat. And uh, once I met him one time, talked to him a little bit, and you could just sense that there was something special in this kid. He was 24 at the time, apprentice rider. And anytime I was within 30 yards of this kid, he would go out of his way to come over to me, take off his riding glove, and shake my hand and say, hi, John, how you doing? I had a big, toothy smile, was just a great guy, Uh, rode for uh, my last trainer and still a good friend of mine, very successful trainer, Jeff Greenhill, uh, rode him uh, quite a bit uh, at all three tracks that he rode at regularly, which would be uh, Indiana Grand, Turfway Park, and Belterra Park, and I got to speak with Jeff earlier this week, and uh, yeah, it it hit everybody, a big gut punch, so I'll probably be sharing some stories with Ed Meyer, but uh, uh, the sport lost a good one in Petey Prentice. Okay, we're not sure if we lost a good one yet or not. It's beginning to look today that we haven't in the Belmont Stakes in Master Fencer. That's right. Uh, Master Fencer went out for a workout um, just yesterday, and he took an awkward step and stumbled towards the end of the workout getting ready for the Belmont. And I guess uh, the report was yesterday that he had just a little bit of inflammation on his left front ankle, um, you know, that he didn't have the day before. And uh, so uh, they took x-rays, everything seemed to go clean, and uh, they said there's nothing wrong with the bones after looking at the x-ray. So, um, you know, the exercise rider began scrubbing on him around the turn, uh, switched his stick from his right to his left hand, gave Master Fencer a smack or two on the hind end, and uh, he did switch his correct lead, but he stumbled for a stride, did quickly recover, but obviously there was slight inflammation. Well, he has been checked out today. And it looks like uh, he is on track. They just walked him for an hour. They checked him out afterwards. Everything seems fine. He was closing well uh, in the Kentucky Derby. So we will find out uh, if he is 100% a week from Saturday. Speaking of the Kentucky Derby, just found out that uh, Derby winning trainer David Cross has passed away. You may recall that he trained Sonny's Halo to victory in the 1983 Kentucky Derby, uh, died last night at the University of Kentucky's Albert Chandler Hospital. Uh, He was 84 years old and had suffered from a series of health issues in recent years, uh, and uh, he had entered the hospital following a a stroke. Uh, Cross uh, was very proud, uh, he had a keen intellect, a stubborn personality, and uh, without a doubt, uh, the victory with Sonny's Halo uh, took him to the top. And uh, he made a resurgence of the 1990s, won the Grade 3 Rebel with Quintana, uh, the Grade 2 La Canada in 1995 with Diane's Halo, and the Grade 2 Lexington and Ohio Derby in 98 with Classic Cat. He grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, and was inducted into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame 2006. So David Cross... Enjoy visiting with the other horsemen up there in Horseman's Heaven. Well, Instagram, that so many people had hyped as one of the main derby contenders, uh, looks like uh, 
He's going to be back, but he did have an ankle chip removed. Uh, you may recall he was the beaten favorite in the grade three Pat Day. He didn't make it into the field for the Derby. Um, and uh, he did have the, the chip removed. And uh, from what I understand, uh, they're saying it was a pretty routine operation and that uh, they expect him to take a little bit of a rest for a while. Uh, but they do... Uh, believe that he can make a full recovery and return late in the summer or the fall. I'm sure they'd like a return on that investment. Uh, He was like a $2 million baby. And uh, for those of you that uh, follow the horse at Old Friends, we lost Jerry. I remember Jerry racing, 27 years old, grade one winner, uh, was put down just five days ago. She'd been a retiree at Old Friends since 1927. Did I say she? <laughs> he was among nine stallions that uh, that, that came back uh, from overseas and uh, was retired to Old Friends. So uh, that, that's a look at that. Well, we had a slew of uh, races over the holiday weekend. So l- let's get through them. Uh, Bolo was the biggest upsetter. Uh, the Shoemaker Mile at 30 to 1. This horse came in second. Uh, the race was only a second after a nearly two and a half year layoff for the seven year old gelding. Uh, went off at 32 to 1. Florence Giroux was in the saddle. So we'll keep an eye out for the seven year old Bolo. Big win there. Again, Florian Giroux up, and Carla Gaines, very humble, the, the trainer of Bolo. And uh, in the uh, Santa Anita Gold Cup, it was Vino Rosso who closed late to get up for that uh, win, snapping a five-race win streak for owner Harana Stable and trainer John Sadler. So uh, what's known as a very famous half-a-million-dollar race, now has the name of Vino Rosso next to it. All right, the races we handicapped last week with Ralph Sirocco. Let's take a look at those uh, in the Triple Bend at Santa Anita. This was quite a finish, a rally in the last jump, and Nelson Arroyo gets airstrike up at 12 to 1 in the final stride over Sistron, who controlled the speed the entire race, but the, that last leap. And then also out at Santa Anita on the grass, the Charlie Whittingham went to Ralph's pick. Marquis Warrior paid six eighty, uh, as predicted, uh, was uh, put in a huge finish. Was last into the stretch and got up being widest of all over United, who was making a return to the dirt. And uh, that, again, another very, very exciting race that we got to witness over the weekend. And then back at Monmouth Park, where I spent the afternoon listening to the dulcet tones of Jason Beam. And in the Monmouth, the grade two, the winner was Almanar, the British bred, who was making his 2019 debut. Maybe we'll talk to Jason about this. He looked like he went a little bit wide because the horse that Ralph and I bet, Synchrony, was kind of forced to leave his lane. And we've heard a little bit about leaving your lane in big races recently. But nonetheless, they kept up the number two after an objection of Almanar with Joe Bravo in the saddle. In the second spot, it was a synchrony. So that was a look at uh, the races that we handicapped with Ralph Sirocco from out there in Las Vegas. Um, 
last week. So as I told you at the top of the show, uh, we're going to have a, a friend of mine and a guy that's been all over the map. Man, was it good to hear him calling races at Monmouth Park. I gave you the tease at the beginning of the show. It is the man that shines with a beam. That's right. Jason Beam's going to be with us. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, with a fine man that I've known for many, many years, I had the honor to recommend him for the announcer's job in Cincinnati, what was then known as Beautiful River Downs. Uh, You looked over the turf course across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky from his announcer's booth at the time, and uh, Jason Beam has been so many places, and, uh, you know, I've got to kind of, you know, track his his career, Uh, you know, I believe my son and uh, Jake and I went up, uh, he invited us up to Portland Meadows, and we went up there when he was calling. Of course, there were days at River Downs. He called it Louisiana Downs, and he's called it Hastings, Emerald Downs, <laughs> Tucson Greyhound. I didn't know that one, Jason. And uh, <laughs> That, was, that of course, was one race. Yeah, well, anyhow, uh, he grew up watching the races at Long Acres. Jason, I'm, we, we'll go in reverse. We'll go from the most recent to the past. Um, yeah. You sounded awesome at Mammoth Park. It's like you had never been away from a microphone. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's, it's been really, really fun. It's uh, I, I, I was away from the mic for 
I think, well, not, you know, I still do my daily podcast, but from the announcing mic for about three and a half years. And so I went down to Gulfstream, uh, our buddy, our mutual friend, Pete Aiello, had uh, needed to fill in for his vacation, and he was nice enough to ask me, and I did that for a couple weeks, and that certainly got me uh, itching a little bit to do it. And so uh, when the Monmouth thing came up and, uh, and and they offered the position to me for the fill-in for Frank for the first couple months, I was ready to do it. But I feel like it took a couple weeks to kind of get back in the swing. But last last weekend I was feeling like kind of kind of like I was you know getting back to to full abilities. You were absolutely in the groove, and I, and I forgot how pleasant uh, your voice sounds. Um, how very uh, succinct you are with identifying horses in the field, but then going back to kind of like paint that picture during the final two furlongs of what we're what we're really seeing out there now. Now what's now what's really happening with the race? And you did it in such a, a, a nice manner. I'm just, I just enjoyed hearing you, man. It was fantastic. So don't worry about being back in the saddle. Uh, you're in riding in high cotton, my friend. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. Well, uh, you know, now, you know, as I was happy to see you land that, I, I look down and see that uh, you're kind of going to be helping them uh, kick off a new era uh, down at Colonial Downs after you leave this position. Yeah, it, it worked out great on a, uh, on a, on a few levels. Timing-wise, it was really good because I was already going to be back here because of the Monmouth thing, which goes till the end of June, and... Uh, uh, and I'm going to have to be down to Colonial right at the end of July there, so I'm, I'm going to just you know kind of hang out on the East Coast for a few weeks and then go back down there. But uh, yeah, it worked out great from a timing standpoint. And then also there, I mean, the the new ownership group is putting a lot of money into the facility. They're making some big commitments to racing in Virginia. Uh, Jill Byrne, who is going to oversee the racing operation, uh, I had talked with her, you know, going back to like January or February. She'd kind of. Uh, reached out about the position and if I was interested and I kind of just wanted to know what they were planning on doing. And, uh, the more I was talking to her, the more I kind of got excited about the idea of going there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a rebirth of racing in Virginia and colonial is this very neat track. And, uh, you know, the turf racing is amazing. And, and, and I used to love to, one of my favorite things was that when we finished at river, right about four forty-five or five to go down to the, uh, you know, the river sports book and, and watch the colonial races. Cause they were always, big field grass races that you can try to make some scores on. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm really excited to be part of what I think is going to be a really, really good team. Uh, Murph Huber, who, uh, who you probably know from Churchill, uh, from his time there, he's going to be the analyst. And so, and I've worked with Merv at Bet America before, so uh, I consider him a friend and uh, excited to uh, to work with him and Jill and, and the whole team. They get assembled down there, and it's going to be uh, a shorter meet. I think it's going to be five weeks, three days a week. Uh, this first year, and then I think they're going to try to double that next year to 30 days. And personally, I kind of like the idea of announcing, you know, just kind of shorter meets. And, you know, the the moving around part for me was the tough part. And so uh, just kind of doing little, uh, you know, four, five, six-week gigs sounds really good. Yeah, and uh, you're going to be in a nice part of the country at a nice part of the year. I have one quick question to ask you. Have you been in the announcer's booth there? I don't know if it's been redesigned or not. I have not. I talked to Dave Rodman at length, uh, and he said that on the dirt races, he said it's pretty tricky because it's a flat window, and that, you know, the dirt course, there's a mile and a quarter. 
And so it's a huge oval. And he said, you know, they're a ways down there, and they're kind of running at you. So he said it's a little tricky there. Uh, he said the turf is not as bad. So, he, you know, but uh, I know they're going to be broadcasting in HD. I don't, I'm not sure if they have trackers or not, but, uh, you know, if you if – because you, those, are, those are alternatives if there's tough viewing spots. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think it'll be all right. All right. Now, I want to ask you, I named a, a slew of different tracks that you have called at, and I've been at a lot of tracks myself and in the announcer's booth, sometimes just filling in for a post parade or if an announcer got stuck on an elevator, I'd have to inherit the mic. Um, of all the tracks you've been at, sightline-wise, comfort-wise, what was the best announcer's booth you've been in? So it's funny. I, I, somebody asked me to rank them the other day from from easiest to. I had a buddy that came up to the booth at Monmouth, and he goes, "Where does this rank from your other ones?" And I said, "Well, it's probably my second favorite uh, because it's open air. It's you're a little ways up the finish line, so that's the only tough part because the views are unobstructed and it's a beautiful track and everything else. The only down part is you're you're 50 feet up the line, so calling photos is a little bit tough. Uh, the booth at River Downs is still the best one I've ever gotten to call at uh, for a variety of reasons, and the main reason is is because they let the announcer design the thing. <laughs> Kevin, Go- <laughs> Kevin Gomer, I remember hearing the story. They said, "Hey, what what would you need?" So Kevin rightfully said, oh, I want a garden window that sticks out so I don't have to look at it through a flat window. He had the desk that was kind of up at your chest level so you could have all your stuff right there in easy view. You didn't have to hold your program. You could set it down right next to you. Uh, you were right on the finish line. I mean, literally two feet to the left of it. And uh, I think I probably chickened out on a photo like three times ever at River Downs, whereas you know Portland and other tracks, because you're so far up the line, you have to call photo and not call it two times a day. Uh, and so, yeah, the river one was, was really outstanding. And, and like I said, I think a big part of that is because they actually asked the announcer what they would want. I went to a track in Calgary this last year, century downs. And, uh, there's some great folks up there and I love them all, but there, the announcer's booth is it's a flat window and the building kind of turns away from the top of the stretch. So you can't see the horses at the top of the stretch. Like you have to, jam your face up against the window to barely see the inside pylon. So, I mean, you can't, certainly can't see anybody that's off the, off the turn. So, uh, that was a, that was a real challenge. And, uh, and I think, you know, some, some tracks have, I mean, Golden Gate has a really, really great booth. I've never called there, but it's very river reminiscent. I mean, almost everything about it is, uh, similar, including the, uh, you know, having the big sound rig, uh, in the back with Bobby Hull uh, telling you never to touch it or it'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Jason, I was hoping you'd segue into River Downs because we had some great times. I don't know if tracks have as much fun as we used to have at River Downs, and I want you to go through the Rolodex of your mind and remember such great outings as the Denny Moore Chicken Fry, and on the line, we have a gentleman that was with you at one of the last Denny Moore chicken fries. Ed, are you with us? I am not only with you, I'm ready to go to the Denny Moore next chicken fry. Jason, how goes it? Augie doggy, it's good to hear from you, pal. <laughs> hey, terrific job in Mammoth. I'm loving the calls. The velvet fog in New Jersey, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Ed, you'd love New Jersey. It's like a 
you can't go more than about 100 yards without a, a pizza joint or an Italian bakery. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been a little it's been a little tough on my uh, my waistline. I've done so good the last six months, but uh, but no, it's it's a neat part of the country. It's different from anything I've ever uh, ever been to. Just as far as I mean, even, like they have this weird thing here where you can't take a left turn. Like you have to go right to go left. It's a really they call bottlenecks. I think. Uh, and so it's just, it's just little stuff like that that's different, but it's, uh, it's kind of one of the great learning experiences of life, right? I do believe well, you that... Know, the, I, uh, I really got lost when you said there was pizza and there was Italian bakeries. After that, I, I just kind of went brain numb for a second, but, man, I wanted to congratulate you on, uh, on just stepping back up, man. It's, it's been a long time, you know. I kind of missed hearing the... I always used to teach you about the velvet fog. You didn't have that gravelly voice. You had a real smooth yeah. tone, and Man, hearing you, I just, I'm just so happy. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, it was, uh, I got sidetracked, unfortunately. Life, uh, life gets in the way sometimes, and, uh, I, I had some big struggles with anxiety and depression issues, and, uh, and it got the best of me for, uh, for a lot of years, and I feel like I did a lot of work to kind of get through that, and part of that was just being back home and around a good support network, and so I was definitely scared going, you know, back to Miami that first couple of weeks to fill in for Pete just because I hadn't done it in so long. And I was, I remember I was worried, you know, well, God, what if I go flat, fall flat on my face or what if it's just, you know, just doesn't go well and, and it went good. And so uh, I was ready to kind of try, try again and go back on the road. And I mean, I'm a month in right now and feeling, feeling good about everything. I do want to tell you guys, there's a report from the Indiana agricultural, uh, uh, uh industry that the, uh, the full crop, and I mean full as in chicken crop, was down 10% after that uh, chicken fry. <laughs> can I, can I, John, can I tell you my favorite Denny Moore related story? Please. So, so this was a Denny Moore horse. I'm almost positive it is. But you guys will both remember this. There was a horse that he had named Two-Step Partner. Yeah. And they yeah. were running on the grass, and River had an inside hedge, not a rail. And uh, they turned for home, and this was two-step partner. It was like his second or third start. It was a maiden race. And he takes the lead, turning for home. I think it was Jose Calo, hits him right-handed. He jumps over the hedge, runs straight through the infield, and jumps right in the old lake that was shaped like Ohio. And, it was just, and, and yes. they, they, couldn't get, they couldn't get him out. Like, and, and John McDoolan, in the comment on the chart, to this day, go look it up. It says, you know, jumped hedge, ran through infield, jumped in lake. <laughs> and, and we can laugh at it. We can laugh at it because the horse was, you know, they got him out okay and everything. Oh. The next time, the next time the horse ran, they put him on dirt because they didn't want him to jump the hedge again. They brought him over with a with a life preserver over his neck. Yes, and, and he, and, yes, yeah. And he drew and he drew off and, and broke his maiden by seven lengths. I, and I remember calling. I said. He's not jumping in the lake today. He's jumping in the winter circle, and, and uh, oh. that's, that's my favorite Denny Moore memory. I love it. How about it. when Denny jumped I mean, right into the lake and saved him? You could do stuff like that back in the days. Oh. Uh, um, I remember uh, that uh, Jimmy Buffett was playing next door. As you know, he remember he used to do like three-day yep. skeins over at Riverbend. And uh, he was a silent partner on a horse that W.J. Danner had. And it was on the mm-hmm. night that he was performing over at Riverbend. Rumors are that he snuck over and watched the horse win. The trainer equipped the horse with a lay across his neck. 
you know, a la, you know, uh, you know, Finn yeah. style. The horse won the race wearing the lay, and thank God the stewards were in good humor and, you know, didn't find the trainer or anything for improper equipment. But that's the kind of stuff we could do back then. I don't know if you could do it anymore. Well, this was pre, uh, pre everybody having a uh, camera on their phone. <laughs> well, yeah, that, would, that that is true, and my favorite part is Denny went right over the rail, went right into the lake, and uh, he looked like a lifeguard in his twenties, going right into the water, and and you know the horse came out. He, I think he actually got a little more exercise swimming in the uh, the small Ohio pond, but uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, Jason, he, he popped out of there like Denny just whistled, and he just <laughs> popped out of there. Kim Jordan, who is still the outrider in Cincinnati. Grabbed the horse. The horse was like, good to see you, Kim. And they walked right back, and the horse went back totally unscathed. And as you said, Jason, came back two weeks later and broke his, a maiden with a life preserver. Well, they didn't, they didn't race in the life preserver, yeah, but it was hilarious, and I got over. photos of him in the paddock with it. I mean, racing was awful fun back then, and I was glad to be a part of it with two guys like you. It was uh, – River Downs was some of the best memories I have is uh, – as an adult, there was some great years there. I'm still great friends with Vince Seister, who I know you guys both know, uh, yep. and talk to him all the time. I will say, I went, I went back uh, when it was uh, as Belter. I stopped by on, uh, oh god, it was the Sunday before Derby because I was on my way over here, and uh, I, I was kind of prepared to not like it because River Downs, the old grandstand, was so great, and it was just so, and it was so amazing. And and I found that I, I, I enjoyed Belter. It's different. But uh, but I enjoyed it. I was a little sad because uh, you know a number of the folks we work with aren't there anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, we've had some friends pass away, and uh, I thought a lot about them. And uh, you know, Jeff Rydell and Dickie and uh, and many other folks. But it was it was it was it was neat to go back there. I, I had left there, as I said, I was I was really struggling in my uh, with my mental health, and so when I left, it was so not on my own terms. So it was nice to just go back there and see some of those folks and, you know, see McQuita and, and everybody. And, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Nothing wrong with seeing McQuita, buddy. <laughs> everybody, not, not loves, everybody loves Q. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, it's great to get you two guys back together again. And Jason, I hope I can have you back on maybe is, uh, when some good races come up at Colonial. I also know that yeah. you do a little bit of handicapping. But was it fun being on the other side of a podcast for a change? Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I, I I interview people, you know, five days a week now. So so it's it's rare that I get to just you know sit here and, and lay around my hotel and uh, and talk to uh, to friends. <laughs> well, it was awesome, Ed. Th- uh, don't you hang up because uh, you're you're the second nope. side of the show. But Jason, it was great to hear your voice. And like I said, uh, you have so just gotten back into the saddle. You're doing an outstanding job, and you I bet. expect to be talking to you about race calling for decades to come. Well, it's always good to talk to you guys. I have a lot of love for both of you, and uh, those were those were good days. But uh, we got good days still to come. Yes, John. Can we I ask do, Jason a very quickie? Jason, give me one gate break. Come on, give me give me a little George Jones gate break. <laughs> well, and the race is on. Ah, now now we can go on with it. Thank you, brother. <laughs> See you guys. All take right, care. we're going to take a little bit of a break. Great to hear Jason Beam's voice. But right after we do take this break, we're going to be back with that guy. Yeah, that's right, the man that I admire, admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and as you already know, I tip my hand. With me right now is Ed Meyer. Ed, was that a great blast from the past or what? I'll tell you what. It, you know what? It, it could have been one of those all-nighters just going around the room and uh, and just yik-yakking and talking about old times. I'm really glad to hear Jason's in good spirits. He likes where he's at. I mean, what more could you what more could you want? And after this, I believe he goes to Colonial Downs, John. Yeah, we discussed that. He's really excited about it. And uh, I oh, think they're talking about do doubling great. the meet next year. And it looks like he's already got got his foot in the door. I'm sure, you know, uh, on on the road he's going, he's not going to, uh, you know, stumble a step like Master Fencer working for the Derby. Um, he, he's 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 on the road again, in the words of Canned Heat. And uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I will be looking forward to hearing his races uh, at Colonial. Very kind of unique place. Uh, he hasn't been in the announcer's booth, but the, he'll he'll work it out. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. But it's just good hearing his voice. And to think that he remembered the name of Two-Step Partner. I guess this isn't the first time he's told that story. I get the feeling that's probably uh, one you win a lot of beers on at a bar. But, you know, it, I was... I was just so elated. It took me back. I mean, I was right there. I was seeing it right again, you know, as, as it happened live. It was one of those oddities in racing. And thank goodness for uh, such a horseman of Denny Moore's caliber, uh, you know, uh, and out. <laughs> out, yeah. out he came. Come here, boy. It's like mean, calling your dog to the living room, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he, it was it was a whole lot of fun back in the day. And uh, River was one of those places where uh, a lot of people really got to, you know, cut their teeth. 
Well, uh, speaking of a guy that cut his teeth there, though it races under the new name of Belterra Park now, a young apprentice rider that won the apprentice title four years ago, and his name was Euclid P.D. Prentice from the Isle of St. Croix. And uh, I was blessed to, uh, you know, meet him for, you know, an interview when he first came and was doing well and Ever since that day, as I told everyone, and I know you had the same experience, you never walk by the kid without him walking over to you and saying hello with a hearty handshake. Um, pretty sad that, that we lost the kid this week. You know, John, it, it, was, it was horrible. It, it, was, it was just totally horrible. A young man at 28 years old, when you, when you hear that call in the morning, and, uh, and then, then you get more calls, and then you see it on social media. It was just devastating. Uh, I think John McKee said it best, just irreplaceable. He was the kind of guy that no matter where you were, there was a handshake, a hug, and, and he just had a way, he had a, a very effervescent way of just making you feel good. He was respected in the jockey's colony. The fans loved him. Where he could have went, we'll never know. But yes, this is this has been kind of a kind of a dim week. And uh, as far as uh, you know, everybody's enthusiasm, the the jockeys, the horsemen, they're all professionals, and it's part of the game. But uh, lo- losing Petey Prentice was was definitely a big blow. Yeah, and I know, and he was so proud of uh, you know the island of St. Croix. And uh, the people that supported him over here, um, that uh, you could just sense it. You know, when you talk to him, he took great pride in it. And it was amazing that, uh, I mean, the releases were out shortly after his death. More releases came out of St. Croix than they did Cincinnati. They were coming from everywhere, and people were just just grasping at every detail possible to to get it right about this young man. He was loved by so many. I can remember John when he wrote his one hundredth winner. He signed his pair of goggles and he ran them up to me in between races. Oh, now they, get out of here! No, oh. sir. It's it's right next to Periutes's seven thousand. And it's just as important in my heart that it meant so much to him. Because I, I was teasing him a couple of days before. I said, ah, oh, you're about five away. I said, uh, you get to number 100. I said, I, you know, i got to have a pair of goggles. And I got, there was a sweaty guy that came running up, dropped him off, a hug and a handshake, and out the door he went. And they're on my wall of fame above my bar. And, and I'm proud to keep them there. And there they'll stay forever. Oh man, uh, that that's a, a wonderful, wonderful memory. Um, let's let's move on because uh, y- y- you're making me sad, and I'm we sorry, do this show. I... We do we do this show to make people glad, and uh, you know that's not because we come up with so many winners, just because we have so much fun together talking horses. Yeah. Um, uh, just trying to think uh, before we before we get on to the races, the Belmont. You know, obviously not settled in on anybody yet. Um, I'm having a hard time believing that what happened to Master Fencer because I was gonna, I was really looking at this horse as part of my ticket. Um, but man, it's hard to back a horse that that has a setback uh, before a Triple Crown race. This far down the road, I agree 100% with you. It's like, you know, right now you're going to change blinkers. You know, you're, you're going to wear a half cup. You know, you're going to change riders right now. It's, 
you know, things are in motion. And when you have these small little setbacks, they can mean everything. You know, I'm sure that the, the, the greatest of care has been tended to the, to the horse, you know, on the grounds and you know, from the veterinary standpoint and from his health standpoint. But I agree. It, it, any little shakeup in this, you really, when you're going a mile and a half, which is a rarity, you know, by running that far now, any little shakeup can actually get you out of your A game. Yeah, and if he had inflammation yesterday, and you're going to ask him to pound that hoof for a mile and a half, uh, and not, you know, he—I'm sorry, I got to take him off my ticket. But uh, needless to say, here uh, Tacitus is working well. Uh, you know, I, I would love to see Wara Will uh, get the job done. That mile and a half—it's sneaky though, man. And also Belmont is. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, either as a horse or rider, uh, it, it's taken many a good horse down. Uh, so it, it'll it'll be wide open, and we'll find out. We're nowhere near getting uh, the exact field yet. Uh, that in itself is for sure. Uh, any other national news or signs of the times that you'd like to discuss? If not, we'll move on to the handicapping portion. You know, is right about now is that my hold my breath time for the Belmont. I like to really, I can't read up on enough as far as works, how they're coming out of it, and especially when something like this happens, you have to have your antenna up. And, you know, and according to the Daily Racing Forum, it said Master Fencer remains on target for the Belmont, and that was as of today. And, you know, so I'm kind of focused on that. I really won't start the hardcore handicapping until next week and then and then i'll start uh, focusing and then i'll start looking at weather and everything will start coming into play as you do with every single race if not every single marquee race but uh right about now my my antenna is up for the belmont all right well yeah like i said there's there's too many if ands uh between now and a week from saturday so i'll be waiting until then i must say the preakness was betty betty good to me so uh (laughs) yes it was i i got a little uh you know cash in my back pocket i haven't gone to the bank in two weeks i feel good about that uh but anyhow and you did buy lunch so and and that i'm grateful for i i (laughs) you know it was very nice to see you have a have a nice strike like that and actually you pulled a little babe ruth you pointed uh right to the windows and you went right in with the uh you reached in the jeans and pulled out the greens and you made it all happen all in, no trifectas, no exactas, you know, just, you know, yep. right on, right on the, the barrel head. So I was going to see that. Also, Ed, before I we get into the handicap, I want to thank you so much uh, for two weeks ago co-hosting the annual uh, awards banquet with me uh, at Darby Dan Farm in Galloway, Ohio. Oh, my pleasure. Meeting, meeting such wonderful, classy People that love the game in Ohio, I mean, it's not only in Saratoga, it's not only at Keeneland, this is up in Ohio, and the venue was just absolutely gorgeous. I, I enjoyed chatting with everybody, and more so I enjoyed being there with you. It kind of harkened back to a degree, back to the old regular guy days when, uh, you know, you held the scepter, and uh, we had a whole lot of fun, probably <laughs> more fun than the law allows, but uh, it, was a, it was a great, great honor, and thank you, John. Oh, happy to have you, especially since I asked you to jump in at such short notice for reasons that uh, I won't discuss right here. But anyhow, let's discuss uh, the uh, Penn National. This is one of their big race days. 
500,000 for three-year-olds, uh, even though we have only, I believe, two horses that were nominated for the Triple Crown in the race. When you put up a half a million dollars, it's it's uh, it's going to bring some horses in. You know, it's funny. This time of the year, you start to see these horses that people laid a whole lot of money down for. We've got at least three horses in this race that were purchased for over $400,000. And it's like, hey, guys, time to earn some, some of that money back for the guys that, uh, that that spread it down for you. But I'll tell you what, as I look at the field, it's very, very competitive with, I guess, from a handicapping view, even though he's going to be probably threatened a little bit on the front end. A threat of blue looks like the biggest threat. Second off the layoff, that son of Hartsman. I, I seem to be a really forward, uh, uh, a pace, uh, pace presence. And uh, Luis Saez, you know, when he when it comes to early running types, whether it be an up close stalker or even being on the front end, he wins twenty percent of the time, fifty percent in the money. I know you're a big fan of numbers, and I had to give that out to you. But a thread of blue looks really good, John. But a runner that kind of caught my eye was uh, forty under. The five horse Manny Franco and the irons for Jeremiah Englehart, and this is only the second start of 2019 after the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, which you know, 40 under ran a decent race, finished sixth out of 14 that day. Manny Franco's been aboard every single time, but the thing that really has me scratching my head is how will 40 under do? If the, I know that if it's a yielding turf course, the 40 under will relish it, but in fact. If they have to go back to a firm or good turf course, you're going to go back to the 25th of August, 2018, when 40 Under broke his maiden, the son of Uncle Mo, up at Saratoga at a handsome price. I see 40 Under being that perfect stalker that can lay off for the Englehart barn. Uh, second off a layoff, they score 23% of the time. Manny Franco, I think, is a definite underrated rider. This guy, can he can horseback. Oh, I just read a, an article on him recently that was just so complimentary. And, you know, his, his agent is a guy that you might have heard of by the name of Angel Cordero. <laughs> well, I, I'd say that there's a few lessons that go on uh, for after, uh, after the races, and, and probably at all times. Uh, anytime Cordero speaks, you should get a pen and write it down. All right. Well, I like that horse. I do, you know, I, I hate being chalky all the time, but I do will put on the bottom of my try or in my try the Black Album, uh, a French bred horse who uh, hopped at the start in his last race in the grade two American turf, still rallied to only be beaten two and a half lengths. Uh, in his uh, race before that, he was uh, uh, third by a length in the Transylvania. Uh, this horse, I think, has got some upside to him, got some uh, good grass breeding. So uh, at 15 to 1, I think it's going to be worth putting in an exacta or trifecta. Okay, that was the Penn Mile grade 2. And by the way, there is a slight chance, just a slight chance of thunderstorms. Okay, from there, let's go to some place that uh, our sponsor of this uh, broadcast, Woodbine, the 7 furlong turf cannot cup and i understand i am right about that and uh the horse i came up with ed uh, and so did the morning line handicapper uh was uh imanis the irish bred uh trained by connor murphy uh the horse has been there in some really good races the, the, the main reason i really like this horse is 
his distance ability. He's raced at this seven furlong grass distance six times. He has three wins, two seconds. For $115,000 in earnings, Ed, he's only made 133000 So this is his wheel well. Especially going seven panels, that's usually, uh, it's almost, almost like a specialty distance. There's six starts for MLS for six starts, three wins, and two seconds. Five out of six going the distance. I like that. After shipping over from Red Car on October 6, 2018, was off for a while, came back on April 27th, and had a perfect prep at Belmont over a yielding turf course, going seven panels, and got beat by a dirty neck there. But I think MLS is, is really going to do very well for Connor Murphy. Something that had me scratch my head was David Moran is one for 63. Wow. And I I always had him in the back of my noggin as as being a, a higher rate of rider. I don't know if he had time off due to an injury or or just time off maybe uh, traveling and such. But uh, Dave Moran in the irons, I still have still have plenty of confidence. And if you get anywhere near two to one, uh, uh, Connor Murphy is a nice horseman. Ed, if you found six bucks on the floor, would you bend over to pick it up? I would grab it. That and some Denny Moore chicken. <laughs> Oh, don't remind me, man, because nobody could cook chicken. He'd bring in these guys. I don't know where they came from, but I kind of thought like I was back at Hooterville um, to, <laughs> to cook up the chicken, and they were a blast. And every now and then we'd bring over a couple pretty girls, and, oh, man, they loved just have, putting them girls in their laps and posing for photos. And I remember, uh, oh, McDoolin and some of these guys falling out of their chairs after about two kegs of beer. Yeah, the Denny Moore uh, chicken fries were legendary, no doubt about it. Okay, and Jason and I killed about ten chickens ourselves. (laughs) At least, but they were already fried first. Well, what's great is we didn't all put it on Denny. Everybody pitched in graciously to help oh, him out, super. but it, he was the catalyst of it, without a doubt. Well, we could talk about that for a whole other segment. Right now, we need to talk mm. about the Arlington Matron. Uh, haven't you know doing a whole lot of handicapping at Arlington. This is a mile and eighth on the turf, and I'm telling you what. Now there is a chance of thunderstorms up there, fifty uh, percent. Uh, I'm going to let you take the lead on this, Ed, because I had a hard time get my teeth in uh la force is also entered at santa anita so i don't know to talk about that horse or not but if it if it decides to go to chicago uh she's nine to five you know that is a good point and, and they're running on the synthetic up there because actually i had to take about three looks at it because i was so geared into to turf 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 it was just on my noggin so because I was unsure of exactly what you brought up, I went out to the eight, and it's Daddy's Boo. You talk about a speedster here. Larry Ravelli's winning 47% of the time. And over the Arlington Park surface, Daddy's Boo is six for six in the money, second off a layoff. One of my favorite angles. Uh, Chris Amy is an incredible rider up there. And on early types that go right to the front, he's 44% the money. I like these guys working well together here. You're moving up a little bit in class, but you know what? That's what the acid test is all about, and that's where the big money comes out to play. I see Daddy's Boo grabbing the lead, and, and I'll tell you what, if Chris Amy can uh, put about two on the field, it might be lights out early. Yeah, you know, and again, uh, I haven't seen up until this point, though I'm sure, that, sure the decision has been made because of flights, whether or not LaForce is going to show up or not. Um, this is the grade that's three. He's scheduled to run game. into grade two. What's that? That is 
that's that is the hardest thing for handicappers, especially when they're dual entered, John. And and coming out of grade one, oh my goodness! I mean, look at all the grade ones, the grade two, and uh, she has faced some real powerhouse gals. Well, we'll find out because Drayden Dan Van Dyke has decided to stay in California, and so uh, they've got. Uh, Jose Valdivia named, which nothing wrong with that. He's only riding at a nine, 29% win clip right now up in Chicago. So uh, if he does Incredible. get them out, that's going to be a horse that I believe I'll be boxing up with your daddy boo that'll be saying, catch me if you can. All right, let's go <laughs> on to a race that uh, we're not going to have to talk, I don't think, about too many other horses than paradise woods uh now john sheriffs was the trainer of zenyatta right yes yes well this horse uh you know i don't know what he has done um now this horse won the grade one zenyatta and uh all of a sudden you look down this horse did not win a race in 2008 only won one race in 2019 and has career earnings of nine hundred and forty five thousand dollars now the horse was racing for richard mandela who's as good of a horseman that breathes there as any but for some reason since the horse has been turned over to john sheriffs he's kind of waved the magic wand again and paradise woods is back to her winning ways i think the uh the odds maker actually heard you one to five Mike Smith aboard for trainer John Sheriffs. Sheriffs is winning 22% of the time. I love this. I love seeing him back on the, the top of his game. This five-year-old mare by Union Rags won by 10 links in the Santa Margarita Grade 2 event on April 27th. And if you go down and take a look at the works, just on the last three works, uh, May 12th, uh, May 18th, and May 25th, two of which are bullet works, and they are, the last one was screaming, 59 and 2, the best of 57 on that day. I think this gal is ready to uh, start 2019 off in a whole new gear. I think, I think it all starts this weekend, and I see Paradise Woods and Money Man Mike Smith aboard for sheriffs. I see double trouble. You may not get rich at the windows, but, man, this is going to be one neat gal to watch. No, but if you're betting horizontally, you know, it's one that you certainly need to keep on your ticket. And again, this was the race uh, that LaForce was cross-entered in. And uh, now she may not have a shot against Paradise Woods. She may have a pretty good shot up there. But, uh, you know, the, the difference is running for 200000 and uh, a grade two status or running for 100000 and a grade three. I'm not sure how you... You kind of weigh that in, these horses, when they're five-year-old mares, you start thinking about their uh, value as a broodmare more than how much money you're going to make this year at the racetrack. So we will find out. In fact, we will. And if you get LaForce at 4-1 uh, to one with Drayden Van Dyke, ran second the Paradise Woods and was heavily bent at the windows last time out. So uh, I guess they got some decisions to make for the weekend. I guess they do. Well, listen, Ed, uh, you know, 
I, I've always said that uh, you got enough hot air to talk through a tornado. Little did I know you'd actually do it earlier this week while we were on the phone, while tornadoes were touching down five miles north of me. So I want to once again uh, uh, thank you for uh, for being with me on the show. It was great to go back and, and visit with Jason. And my producer's telling me, get the heck out of here, Engelhart. Well, John, thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure to hear, hear Jason again, and I'm so proud of him. And he's doing such a daggone great job. Tune in to Mammoth. I think you'll definitely like it. But uh, draw down your easy win for us for the weekend. It's time to make some money, boys and girls. Absolutely. You would know I'd made some big scores at Gulfstream last week. So thank you, Jason Beam. Thank you, Admire. And thank everybody at Winning Ponies. By the way, we will have a Belmont Stakes uh, contest next week, so stay tuned to the website. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to the show. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.